Welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, the latest on shares, markets and investments, now available on your Amazon Alexa. Hello and welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, now also available on the UK Investor Magazine mobile app. Uh, for today's podcast, we're going to be discussing key market themes and a number of UK equities with this week a particular focus on commodities and a number of companies uh, mining and exploring for the commodities we're going to discuss. And to do that, we have with us kindly Alan Green. Alan, thank you very much for being here today. Hello again, John. So, Alan, we've um, been digesting obviously the awful events in Ukraine over the past week, and we've just been looking over the last few days really at you know sanctions coming in and, and real world uh, implications uh, for markets now starting to, to play out. Of course, what's happening in Ukraine is, is a tragedy, and, and we're seeing you know further sanctions coming in as, as there should be. On Russia, and that's having big implications on the commodity markets, and that's something that we're going to focus on today. So, market participants and anyone following the market will be aware of what happened with nickel yesterday. Alan, we saw on the LME. I mean, we we hear of stocks being suspended. Of course, um, you you have certain uh, failed. St- Stops in the uh, London Stock Exchange, you know, stocks going into auction and you can have shares suspended. But for having an entire market suspended on the London Metal Exchange is, is a huge piece of news. And so that's obviously a dramatic event there. I mean, wh- when we're looking at that, we're obviously looking at prices of nickel. Uh, there was a big short squeeze and you know, people following it will be able to see that it was a, a Chinese tycoon for some reason had a big short on on nickel and scratching your head as to why, given the demand for for battery metals at the moment. But he's suffering multi billion uh, dollar losses, and I'm, I'm sure there's been some very frank conversations between him and the LME over the past 24 hours. But and now looking at you know what this means for you know the wider investor community and also people in the in the real world having metals such as nickel go to such high levels and of course it's happening in, in oil I mean that's one that we'd have to, to mention as well but that's been well covered and you know what that's doing to household bills but you know this is maybe going underneath the, the radar to some extent because you're looking at you know the focus on um, energy costs and there's been a story about inflation for some time now but if we're starting to look at prices of nickel and there has been a you know strong rally in, in nickel and, and lithium and, and other metals that are used in uh, the production of uh, automotives and, of course, EVs. Is this really going to start following through now and, and hitting car manufacturers uh, that are obviously still uh, producing you know, petrol and diesel um, engines around the, the world? Is this really going to start to bite on the economy? And are we sort of in now for uh, for a really uh, sort of depressed time in in the economy? Is everything from cars, food um, to your energy bills starts to to inflate at a rate that um, you know really gets beyond uh, the affordability of 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 everyday households? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and the, the ramifications of these sanctions. Um, will be long and they will be lasting. But, um, of course, the what we're seeing in the immediate term are these 
incredible price spikes in in um, in in raw commodities such as nickel. And I mean, you know, to hit it's hit seventy six thousand pounds sterling per ton, or a hundred thousand dollars. It passed hundred thousand dollars per ton, um, and driven by, as you mentioned, you know, the Chinese short seller, you know, buyers racing to cover short positions. Um, but of course, nickel just has so many applications. It's crucial in in batteries and modern lithium ion batteries. And that, of course, includes the EV market, clean technology, a whole raft of stuff. And um, the the thing is, of course, with the Russian sanctions, um, that means that all of the nickel and uh, metals that Russia produces can no longer be exported to pretty well the rest of the world. So, of course, that's produced a massive short squeeze. And I think just referring back to a point I made a couple of weeks ago, John, we were talking about um, comments from Elon Musk um, uh, pointing to uh, where he'd like to see production in a few years. So if they're producing 20 million cars, if they were producing 20 million Teslas per annum, that would then take up 30% of current global nickel production. So that's just Tesla. You then take into account all the other EV manufacturers. Basically, even with what's being produced, there, there simply is not enough. And this is going to become uh, a huge problem. So, of course, you then get um, you then get the price squeeze that's come about as a result of uh, Russia being no longer able to export nickel. And, 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 and you know, the, the effect is obvious. Um, and, of course, uh, we're going to be talking about Kavango Resources in a minute, which is a company that has an asset that's very similar to the Norilsk mine, uh, mining center in Siberia. Um, it accounts for 90% of Russia's nickel uh, reserves, 55% of its copper, and pretty well all of its platinum group metals. So at a stroke, you take that out of the market. You know, there's. I'm not surprised we're seeing this price squeeze. And I, and I think it's going to, the ramifications are going to become even greater. But of course, conversely, what it does, it creates opportunities for companies that are in the process of developing assets, uh, nickel assets, um, uh, such as such as Gavanga. So, so of course we're we're going to see we're going to see uh, many more price squeezes. Where you know we're we're looking at growth in some of the Asian nations now um, being capped as a result of the price uh, of the sanctions uh, uh, on Russia. Um, companies now no, no longer able to import uh, materials and goods from Russia, and of course there's there are the issues of wheat and corn. Some of um, Africa, I think, uh, uh, um, imports pretty well all of Russia's Russia's uh, wheat exports. So of course the um, the uh, you know commodities like like uh, wheat and corn on the market will be will be hit as well. So so the ramifications are huge, and we're only just starting to see. How that's actually feeding into into global markets. So you mentioned there, Kavango, and that's the first uh, equity we're going to discuss. Looking at the chart here, Alan. Now, of course, they have a you know significant exposure to, to nickel, as you just outlined. But investors may be looking at the share price and a little bit perplexed because we're of course seeing the price of of nickel go through the the roof, and of course. This is through a, a period of severe volatility. So, you know, th- this could go one way or the other um, going forward in terms of the nickel price. But we're just looking at Cavango uh, share price here. And so it's only got a market cap at the moment of about 13 million, but it's, it's had a bit of a downtrend over the last week or so. Although that it is focusing on 
these these metals and these things and these uh, and these mines that they're going to be producing and, and servicing the the EV market now at much higher prices. Um, so, what I mean, what do you feel the thinking is there behind the market sending um, that the share has lower at a time that their their offtake would be attracting? You know, obviously when they get to production. Um, would be attracting a much higher level than it was, you know, a month ago, for example. Well, there's the old saying in the markets, isn't there, John, that um, that the markets can rain, remain irrational for longer than you can remain solvent. And I think I think we're seeing a classic uh, case in point here. But of course, what you've got to remember is that um, companies that actually have producing assets, of course, those are the ones that will be seeing the the price increase, the, the, the increase in prices. Um, even though Kavango has this asset, it's still some years away from going into production and whilst it will contribute to no doubt contribute to future production of course at the moment um it's uh, it, it's at a very early stage in terms of its evolution so so the disconnect that we're seeing um is probably the market looking at uh, looking at at assets that can produce and um and uh, you know and uh, and driving those prices higher but um certainly the exploratory companies until they until they take a tangible step forward. And I think this applies to an awful lot of um, small cap mining companies until you actually see the colour of the metal come out of the ground um, along with the numbers, the actual um, uh, mineral resource estimates. It's very hard to sort of, it's very hard to put an accurate valuation on them. Nonetheless, um, we know with Cavango, it's got uh, has the nickel asset. It's got the the copper assets too. So so uh, you know I, I've no doubt that will come in time. And what it does mean is that for patient investors, you can pick up a company like this at this knockdown price, knowing full well that um, if as all of the research that's been undertaken, all of the uh, the data that's come back from the the, uh, the from the um, um, uh, spectral geophysics, everything that's come back bears out that asset and uh, proves up that asset, then, of course, you're going to be sitting on um, a potential multi-bagger for the future. And, of course, that's why uh, all of us get excited about small-cap mining stocks like uh, like Avanga. Indeed. So I just want to go back to the, the bigger picture here, because, it isn't, as you said, it's not just Avanga, it's lots of companies here. Is it, is it because you, you, you're looking at some of these these companies and do you think it, it's them purely being placed in the basket of being a risk asset? You know, if you make a comparison between, you know, Cavango and Rio Tinto, for example, you know, Rio Tinto is a very strong yeah. uh, performance uh, ju- during this period because it is producing, it is generating revenue. Is it simply the case that, that these companies, and there's probably a, a few other that we might uh, discuss a little bit later on in the podcast, fall into this basket of, yes, the potential is huge, but however, at this point in time, they're simply classed as a small cap uh, junior explorer, and they really just fall into that that uh, basket of being a risk asset, along with you know certain other um, equities, indeed some some commodities and um, you know, Bitcoin maybe as well. That they are speculative, and in times of high volatility and concern, they're just going to get hit. Whatever's happening to the underlying price of the resources they're exploring for. Yeah, I believe that is the case, Jonathan, certainly. But but also another company we're going to discuss on it, uh, Greatland Gold. We've seen the journey that that company's taken. Uh, you know, once the asset was discovered, the Haviran asset, the, the um, it, you know, it multi-bagged many times over. And of course, if you were in at the start when the company had a valuation of 5, 10, 15 million, then, um, you know, a modest uh, investment there would uh, deliver a very spectacular return. So that's the opportunity. That's the 
that's the potential. And of course, now um, now the market knows Greatland has the Hoverian asset with all that uh, entails. Um, there is a, there's a value. There's a, a finite time frame too in terms of getting the stuff out of the ground, getting it to market. And and this is this I believe is you know the market's looking at where it can actually obtain nickel. Uh, copper gold etc right now you know what's near to production what can i where can we go and get this stuff now and that's what it's doing the the smaller cap companies that are developing these projects um as soon as significant developments occur then yes they will move ahead uh there's no doubt and uh you know you've only got to look at greatland to see how that process works indeed indeed so we're going to discuss greatland but just before we we move on from Cavango. Would you be able to just give us a brief overview of, of their operations? We obviously spoke about the share price, how it's moving and, and what they're, they're, they're doing. But for investors that may not have uh, an intimate knowledge of what they're doing on the ground, could you just get a, get a brief overview of, of what they're actually doing and their, and their operations there? Yes, of course, John. Yeah. So, uh, well, Cavango updated this morning on the uh, what it refers to as the KSZ. Um, the KSZ is um, it, it's the it's the Kalahari Suta Zone uh, in the Kalahari Desert, obviously. Um, and the company has identified a series of targets there. Now, um, over the past few years, the the, uh, the former CEO, Michael Foster, headed up a team that uh, developed um, a huge model. And there's a huge 3D model on the website that you can see of the KSZ, what it entails, where the magnetic anomalies are, where the where the drill targets are. And uh, obviously now the company has the team out there on the ground. They're drilling and, and they're developing the asset. Um, <clears throat> but um, uh, the comparisons all the way through, you know, for the past few years have been made with the Norilsk mine in, in, in northeastern Russia, in Siberia, um, simply because the geology is very similar. Um, the, the, uh, the geology, the, uh, the, uh, the setting, the magmatic sulfides at Norilsk um, uh, are also a key feature of the Kalahari Suta Zone. So, um, but, but of course, developing the uh, KSZ uh, into a Norilsk um, will take many years. Um, nonetheless, um, the, they, the companies identified on the B1 target area, a great red spot, which is a large scale five kilometer by eight kilometer magnetic and gravity anomaly so you can get some idea of the scale of this i mean the the ksz um area is some eight thousand eight hundred square kilometers it's absolutely huge so of course they're working the company's got 14 licenses over um 450 meters uh, a 450 kilometer long ksz magnetic anomaly um so it, it's it's only exploring a fraction of the area at the moment um but of course uh, the drilling's got to take place. The modelling's got to take place. Um, further drill targets will, will be identified and the asset will come to light. And then, of course, um, um, uh, a, a maiden uh, resource estimate can be provided. And then, of course, that's the value inflection point where we're going to see the proper value in the market attributed to to uh, the KSZ. Um, Cavango is not a one-trick pony by any stretch, though. This, that's a flagship project. It also has the two projects in the Kalahari Copper Belts, um, one of which is a, a joint venture with Power Metal Resources. Um, and indeed, the uh, recent work that was undertaken there revealed some very strong uh, 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 copper, um, uh, um, co- copper anomalies in the area. 
also has a joint venture uh, on the Ganzi Ridge um, with uh, LVR Geo Explorers, um, and uh, that that uh, that is also developing too. So it has exposure to significant copper assets. Um, and thirdly, there is the Detail, Detail Camp project, which is um, which was drilled in the nineteen seventies by Falcon Bridge Mining, and uh, identified a number of um, carbonatites, uh, which uh, which are prospective uh, for and. Uh, have in place a number of magnetic ring structures which uh, are prospective prospective for rare earth elements again detail camp and the kalahari copper belt are in a canyon the canyon resources joint venture with power metal resources so those projects are developing we're going to get more news uh, um, uh, from those projects uh, as the year progresses but certainly the case said is the focus at the moment. Of course, with a focus on nickel, I think the company will prioritise that throughout the year. Um, Price-wise, yeah, as you say, the price has come back uh, recently. Um, and again, it's just based on, I think, uh, you know, when you're a mining exploration company, the old saying for investors is it's better to travel than to arrive. So you've got the expectation of good results. And even if those results come in uh, where they're expected, then um, often people will just sell out on that and decide to buy back in later on. Shares have been as high as 6.5p, low as 2.7p. They're currently trading just above 3p, as I say, giving it a market capitalization of 13 million. Fantastic. So, you know, as you outlined there, Alan, you know, it is one that's going to have a number of, uh, of developments going forward this year and, and investors that are interested in Cavango are probably going to have um, you know a number of RNSs to digest as things go forward but certainly with a market cap of just 13 million um, one has to, to question as soon as we get anything tangible um, and uh, you know giving any insight into the future value of, of their uh, resources there on top of what they already have um, that's going to be something that could get this share price moving in the in the right direction from a, from an investor's standpoint. So, Alan, let's now move on to Greatland Gold. We obviously touched on it um, earlier on in the podcast, but it seems to have sprung back into life um, in the in the last few days. Uh, of, of course, we've now seen gold, and this is something we touched on a, on a recent podcast about how gold had been range bound for for, for some time, sort of going back eighteen months. But we've just seen gold, you know, break significantly above. The two thousand dollar level, so that seems to have breathed a little bit of life back into to Greatland Gold, and of course we had some results last week, which which we'll go through. But before we do that, Adam, obviously we're looking now at a share price, um, you know, just beneath twenty p on on Greatland Gold, and it actually you, you mentioned just then, you know, a very good phrase. You know, it's better to travel than to arrive, and we we had a situation where. There was a big hype around Greatland, and we saw shares trading above um, 30p um, briefly. I mean, what's it going to take for, for this company to get back uh, to those sort of levels? Or was that just a, you know, a real move up based on hype around what was happening there, which, which then had a bit of a disconnect from the fundamentals? And is it a case now that investors know that what's what's in the ground, but that excitement isn't there anymore because... You know, we've obviously seen the discoveries, and we're obviously going through the grades, and that sort of impetus to be to be in something that that could have a discovery is now diminished because it's coming out with with good grades, and you know maybe investors are looking elsewhere at the moment. 
I think that's very true, and it's it's amazing, really, isn't it, that uh, that, that we're in this situation. I mean, Greatland has, uh, it, it, of course, it made the Haviran discovery in two thousand eighteen, and made a lot of uh, a lot of retail investors very rich in the process because it multi 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 bag literally all the way up to a market valuation. I think at one point of one point two one time one point two billion. Um, of course, the company's, company's currently got a market capitalization of 645 million. So compared to the days back in 2016, 17 of, of uh, 10, 15 million market cap, 25 million market cap, you know, that's a that's a huge jump. But um, I suspect a lot of the investors were in it for the ride, would have made a lot of money and uh, are now looking at uh, Javier, well, it's going to produce gold. That's great. Uh, maybe they've kept uh, uh, some that they kept the stake in the company, but of course, um, attracting new investors in and trying to impress on new investors that the same story could happen again is is difficult. But what it does do, of course, um, you know, the additional valuation of the company means the company can get engaged in other assets. But by the looks of it, you know, the <laughs> discovery is so it, it's such a so, such a, a an incredible discovery, and and I think it won. It actually won an award. Um, uh, the company won the award, the two hundred two thousand twenty one Commodity Discovery Award, on the back of just how amazing Haverian um, is. The, the of course the the most recent update was a few uh, a few uh, days ago, um, where the company updated on the further drilling work that had taken place um, at the southeast crescent, um, and also. The uh, across the broad Haveran Breccia system uh, to look at uh, the best way to mine the stuff and get it under the ground. Of course, a mine is being built um, at that at the point that the discovery is made. It's joint venture with Newcrest Mining, you know the huge mining conglomerate down there. So of course, Newcrest is providing all of the all of the uh, uh, mining uh, resource and uh, equipment to get the stuff out of the ground. But um, but the drilling work as it's continued has. It's it's basically doubled the uh, the mineral resource estimate um, over the past ten months. Um, it's, it's, sorry, not doubled. It, it's risen by fifty percent, up to six and a half million ounces of gold equivalent. You know, which is which is pretty impressive. And uh, and um, it also appears that there's an awful lot more to come because the uh, the anomalies they're discovering at Haveran uh, seem to be branching off here and there. Um, there are also um, other other sort of the works taking place in the Patterson region, Canning and Patterson South. Uh, they've uh, discovered um, uh, gra- uh, gravity anomalies there, which are similar to the Telfer and Winu mines. Of course, Winu run by uh, uh, Rio Tinto. And of course, um, uh, you know, Power Metal Resources uh, have the FDR project, the, um, the FDR project in the region too. And they have an asset uh, there, um, there at the, in the Patterson province, uh, and also have discovered a magnetic anomaly, so that could be very exciting for for Power Metal. Of course, Power Metal still has a valuation of just eighteen million odd, with um, fourteen different projects around the world, which is even more astonishing. But that's for another day. Um, so th- there's also another joint venture with uh, Newcrest at the jury, um, uh, the jury asset. Drew results there have shown some um, shown some some gold grades, and also conductors have been identified. So. So, uh, Greatland certainly has a a, a a good number of assets that it's developing, but it also has the resource now to get involved with other other uh, potentially great assets that that might come its way. Um, but of course, it's hard for a company 
it's well, I say it's easy. It's it's if you make the discovery, it's easy from a company for a company to go from a ten or twenty million market cap up to a half a billion market cap or a billion market cap. But it's a, a lot harder for a company with a half billion market cap to make that jump, um, especially in the mining game. But um, you know the company's got a great track record. Sean Day, the, the CEO, there's doing a great job. So given where gold is now, um, and given the given the uh, that we're getting closer to getting. Uh, gold out of the ground at Haveron, then uh, you, you know I think uh, I think the, the the further down the share price trips, the better value it looks. Yes, indeed. I mean, I think there is an argument as as you just mentioned there, Alan. As soon as we start to move um, towards getting getting out of the the gold the gold out of the ground, um, you know that's when I think the next stage of Greatland Gold comes, and that's when you probably get a new wave of investors coming in. Um, and looking at what that means for the company going forward. So definitely an interesting one to to watch and and indeed to see whether it can get above 20p and stay there for, for, for a good period of time. So just finishing off now, Adam, we're going to be looking at a company we've discussed on the podcast as it IPO'd uh, last year, I believe it's Technology Minerals. And given what's been happening with some of these battery metals out there, they're, of course, operating in a very favourable environment with some of their exploration um, projects. So what's the latest update from them? OK, so we heard from um, from Technology Minerals this morning um, that uh, they had taken the decision to acquire the Blackbird Creek property. And I'll, I'll come on to that announcement in a second. But, yeah, the company is currently trading at 3.5p. Um, it's got a market capitalisation of about 35 Million and it's the first circular economy company to list in London, um, and it's uh, the first circular economy company for battery metals. In that, it's developing a series, uh, well, uh, several um, uh, uh, battery recycling plants in the Midlands. It has a lead acid uh, battery recycling plant and a lithium ion battery recycling plant, and of course. Um, there's no real structure in place at the moment for actually dealing with battery waste and recycling battery waste. So what the company have done, they came to market with a blueprint to do that, which is now being discussed with with huge companies that uh, uh, that uh, consume uh, batteries, you know, such as electric vehicle manufacturers and governments around the world uh, to putting forward this blueprint to 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 develop the asset. Um, and, and and certainly in um, at the Tipton recycling plant, um, if you look on the tech, Technology Minerals Twitter feed, you'll see uh, you'll see several uh, interviews uh, recently looking at the battery metals industry, but also some drone footage of the plants, um, some of the equipment's arriving, and uh, and the actual uh, production process is now in place, ready to recycle uh, uh, those batteries. And of course, in the case of lithium lithium ion batteries. Uh, once they're recycled, you're left with a black mass, and that black mass can then go back into um, into the next generation generation of lithium ion batteries, and it sells for getting off of five thousand pounds a ton. So there's a lot of money to be made from that. Um, Technology Minerals uh, laid out um, a financial forecast based on turnover for the next five years. That's on the website. I'm not going to go into that now because I want to discuss the the mining uh, development this morning. But um, there are already multiple uh, partnership agreements uh, in place, um, and we're going to see an awful lot more uh, in uh, developing from the uh, battery recycling uh, centres in uh, in the West Midlands um, in, in in the coming weeks and months. 
Um, but the the circular economy company, um, the the other side of that is the company's exposure to a series of of mining assets worth about uh, worth or estimated to be worth some twenty million sterling at present. Um, assets in Spain, uh, in Idaho, um, and Cameroon and Ireland um, are, uh, are are in place for, and these are these are uh, assets which are which are prospective for cobalt, for copper, and for lithium. Um, this morning, the company announced the acquisition of the Blackbird Creek project, which is um, which uh, uh, has 158 load claims covering about one about three uh, just over 3,000 acres, um, and it's located immediately southeast of Jervis Mine or Gervais Mining's Idaho Cobalt Operations, which is going to be up and running this year, and will be the the first mining or the, the first cobalt mine in the USA for decades. So, of course, uh, given that uh, the claims are contiguous at Blackbird Creek, um, this could be a very uh, valuable and uh, fast track add on for the company in terms of of uh, 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 bringing battery metals out of the ground, putting them into the cycle. And then, of course, at the other end, they go to be recycled at the Tipton plants or wherever the other plants might be that technology minerals have at that point. Um, so this is a, it's a significant step. Um, the focus certainly since IPO has been on developing the battery recycling plants, but now we're seeing developments on the mining front. And uh, it's a very exciting company. And I think we're going to see an awful lot of development and growth this year. It already has uh, an agreement in place with Slicker Recycling to uh, to recycle uh, many thousands of uh, batteries per annum and there are going to be a number of other uh, uh, recycling uh, joint ventures coming up in the next few months of that I have no no doubt at all so uh, very exciting step forward of course the team that run the company Alex Stanbury chief executive he's very much focused on the mining part of the business Robin Brundle the chairman of course he's uh, well known throughout the uh, motorsports industry his he is very much focused on the battery recycling battery recycling industry and uh, he's certainly the one that's pioneering those talks for the battery recycling with governments around the world and of course uh, the automotive industry so a very exciting year in prospect shares have come back a little bit i mean since the ipo they've hit a high of 5.5 p currently up today uh trading at 3.4 p uh, so um it's a good entry point um and i think this company is going to deliver in, in bucketfuls during uh, 2022 Fantastic, thank you. Just looking, and you mentioned there the, the current price. So, what do you think it's going to take to get uh, technology minerals back up to that IPO price around five pence? Do you think? Obviously, there's there's been a number of announcements they've made uh, recently. Do you think it's a case that the investors are simply waiting for them uh, to see some of the these projects come to fruition and start to see? Uh, some revenue coming into the business and what that revenue looks like. Yeah, well, the IPO price was uh, 3.2p, just over 3p, uh, but it hit that high of 5p. Um, and uh, to, to my mind, I believe the company uh, is about to bring these, is about to bring the recycling plants online. We've seen the drone work down there. And of course, as soon as they come online, the uh, the, the cash coffers start to fill. Um, the company's forecast 9.6 million turnover this year that's that's uh, was that 
forecast was put out to the markets uh, prior to IPO. And I think a small loss of 300,000, obviously, as the CapEx is uh, is undertaken. And then moving to profit next year, 5.2 million profit and turnover of 28.5 million. So, so to my mind, the the, the, uh, the 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 turnover of the company, I'm sure, you know, once we see these plants up and running, people, of course, can then go and see the plant in action. I'm, I'm sure that'll happen too. And I'm sure then we're going to see that process replicated, more plants open. And and then, of course, you can you can see where you can see how the exponential growth will be delivered from there. Yes. It's going to be interesting to see how they perform. Obviously, it's always very difficult with a new company coming to market and putting out targets in their first year, um, how operations actually unfold. But that's going to be particularly exciting to see when we get updates from Technology Minerals in the uh, in the coming months. So just a recap there of the equities we discussed today uh, was Cavango Resources with a ticker of KAV. It was then, of course, Greatland Gold, uh, which has a ticker of GGP. Uh, and just then was Technology Minerals with a ticker of TM1. And of course, we did touch on very briefly there um, on ECR Minerals uh, in close vicinity of uh, Greatland as well as um, Power Metal Resources with a ticker of POW that has a relationship with Cavango Resources. Alan, thank you much for being on the podcast today. Thanks, John. So we've obviously just been discussing in some detail there um, commodities. Anyone that missed the Metals and Mining Conference that happened uh, a couple of weeks ago, do check out the UK Investor Magazine uh, video section because there's uh, a good few presentations there from metals and mining companies operating in, in some of these commodities that we've discussed today as well. So thank you very much. We hope you enjoyed listening to the UK Investor Magazine podcast. Please do share the podcast and we really value any reviews and comments you leave us in your chosen podcast player. The views presented by the hosts and guests of the UK Investor Magazine podcast are in no way investment advice. And please remember, all investment involves risk.